0: dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, I am so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me on.
0: So, yes, absolutely. Um, So you guys, Kayla, I am, I've never, I don't think, ever had to, gotten to sit next to a beauty queen, and I am. (laughs) Jeez Louise, we might not even put the slides up on YouTube. We might just you know, keep it a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I have a face for podcasting, especially when next to Kayla.
1: <laughs> I'm going to put that on a t-shirt.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. and give it to all of your friends. Um, so Kayla, you are Mrs. Kansas International.
1: I am. I am Mrs. Kansas International 2022 and proud of it. I am so excited. It has been such a fun year representing my home state and getting to combine my passion for glitz and glam with my passion for Down syndrome advocacy, which is kind of a weird combination. But um, pageantry lets me combine them together into one fabulous event. And I get to feel amazing while I advocate. So can't complain.
0: That's awesome. And you know, um, here we go, like off script here. But you can be a great many things, right? Like who says that you can't be involved in pageantry and involved in Down syndrome advocacy? Um, That can be linear because you just made it linear. So I love it.
1: Yep, I love to tell people too that I am not, I am not one of those people that has done pageantry my whole lives. There's a lot of wonderful women in the world who started at two years old and did toddlers and tiaras and did the, you know, Miss America and all that. I did not. I had never even seen a pageant in person until I was 27 and actively competing in one as a married woman. Um, So... I literally dove into this because of down syndrome advocacy. I did it because it's a vehicle for me. It's a modern microphone. It's a way to get my foot in the door and get my boots on the ground. So it's not even so much that it's cool that I get to do them together. I do them together specifically because of how it allows me to further my advocacy which has been really, really cool to see it unfold.
0: Okay. So that is super cool. So um, we're going to back up and like do an introduction, but hang on you guys. Cause you're as curious as I am like, who is this person talking? We're going to get to that in just a second. How in the heck did you think pageantry is going to be this great platform? Who told you that? I mean, it is brilliant, but like I, I go to Washington DC and I, I'm just as uncomfortable. I'll tell you, it's just as uncomfortable as pageantry to walk the halls of DC because you got it on uncomfortable shoes, stuff lined in silk. It's it's pri- nothing itches. You don't you don't have to have itchy sequins. But pageantry, how in the heck did you think of that?
1: Um, I'm gonna be really honest with you. I saw a sponsored ad on Facebook. <laughs> uh. Uh-uh. Uh scrolling through my Facebook. Uh, we were on a beach vacation. We had literally taken my daughter to the beach for a weekend and I was sitting in our little tent on the beach. and scrolling through Facebook and I saw a sponsored ad for a Mrs. Pageant. I couldn't tell you which one. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. What married woman has the time, the <laughs> money, the energy that they want to spend all that money go out in a fancy dress and go compete in a pageant. Like that is something for high schoolers. I could not, I couldn't process it. Right. But it stuck in my head. And the more that I thought about it over the next few weeks, it kept popping up in my head. And I'd be like, you know, I bet it would be really cool though, because you get to wear really nice clothes and I run a children's fitness center. So I live in leggings. I am in athletic wear and athleisure wear 24 seven. So the idea of getting to wear really nice dresses and like fancy earrings, I was like, okay. Um, and then a couple (laughs) more days would go by and I was like, well, you know, like pageant girls do have platforms they're supposed to be out doing good things in the world and I volunteer a lot so I do those things Uh and then a couple more days would go by and I said oh you know I used to do theater and I miss that a lot I miss being on stage I miss the competitive element I don't get to do those things anymore because I'm married and I have two dogs and I have a kid and I have a full-time job I don't have time to audition for a show and be in theater but I miss that stuff And it all just kind of kept snowballing until I looked at my husband and I said, hi, how do you feel about me doing a beauty pageant? And I I kid you not, he blinked at me twice and he said, so do we need to buy you an evening gown or how do we... (laughs) He, he didn't add an eyelash. It didn't surprise him at all. He's been the best pageant husband. Uh, he he oh. handled it with such grace <laughs> and it was such a bizarre world for him, but he's done a great job. So it uh, it was a really weird journey to get here, but I'm here. Thank you, Facebook, for your sponsored ads that are bizarrely targeted to my subconscious. So
0: totally, totally. I mean, like the sociology of that is just crazy. And go watch that. What's the name of that show? The Social. Oh, Yeah. Dilemma. that was bizarre. Um, so you're right. It got into your head somehow, but okay. So first of all, you saying that about your husband put tears in my eyes, but I like, this is a message to my listeners. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Whatever Facebook or your heart or your soul or your, maybe not whatever Facebook's telling you to do, (laughs) but whatever karma and the spirits and God and, and, and life is telling you, to do, do it. I mean, how rewarding, uh, we're going to hear, I, I know a glimmer of how rewarding um, your pageantry experiences have been, it, not only for you, but also for your Down syndrome advocacy platform. And it came from a Facebook ad. I mean, if that is not a message to the listeners, like do it.
1: And I am, I will put it out there. I am not like if you see photos of me, I am not your typical pageant. When you think of someone who does beauty pageants in your head, I am five foot two. So I wear six inch platforms the entire time I'm competing. Um, I have a pixie short haircut. I am not stick skinny. I have curves and a nice butt on me. And <laughs> I am not like people look at me and they say, and I say things like, oh, I'm Mrs. Kansas. And they're like, oh, that's cool. And what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's a pageant. And they kind of do a double take like, (laughs) I love it. So again, exactly what you said, whatever the universe or God or whatever it is that you believe in, whatever it's putting in front of you, stop fighting it. Just go with it because win or lose at the end of the day, whatever those experiences are you're supposed to have them for a reason and yeah. the people around you are supposed to have those experiences for a reason a hundred percent
0: yeah that's awesome I mean I think I would if if the universe put a pageant in front of me I think I would first be like okay I'm gonna have to learn how to do my makeup in some way other than the people that do it on the paper when I go to the Laura Mercier counter because that's have-
1: I have a really fabulous team of people that handle that for me. I'm very blessed. My uncle and his partner are a hair and makeup duo that is to die for. So they travel with me and spoil me rotten for an entire week at a time. And I am so blessed by them.
0: Is that what they do otherwise or are they just creatively challenged? Yeah, my, okay.
1: my uncle owns a hair salon and so they they have um, they have stations at the hair salon together. And then they, I've been very lucky that both of the times I've competed, they have offered to go with me. So I don't even have to pay for them. They, they come and they just take care of me and make me look fantastic all week long. And it is so nice to just roll out of bed and have someone make you look like you've gotten all of the years of sleep that you've missed as a mom. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Super exciting. Who knows how long we've been talking, but let's back up and let you do a more general introduction. And you can skip all the stuff that we've already talked about.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Well, my name is Kayla Shadeg. Like we said, I'm your reigning Mrs. Kansas International 2022. I am a Down Syndrome mama, a Down Syndrome advocate. Um, I run a Children's Fitness Center for a living, which is super fun. I get to work with kiddos from all ages and stages and developmental areas of life. We're an inclusive facility, so I work with typically developing kiddos and kiddos with disabilities and kiddos with um, all kinds of different... Hang on, my Zoom just disappeared. Oh, I'm here, Okay,
0: and I can see you. Did I, I'm gone,
1: huh? There we go. Okay, okay got you're good. It. we're back. All different ages and stages of life. <laughs> um, I have an amazing husband. His name is Kelly. I have two kiddos. My six-year-old Kerrigan was diagnosed with Down syndrome at birth, and I have a freshly one-year-old little boy, Knox, and we live in the great state of Kansas. We live in the capital, Topeka, and we spend a lot of our time as a family. We have just kind of a wild history. My husband is in the military and has had um, some jobs that have taken him some interesting places over the last couple of years. So we haven't always spent a lot of time together. So when we get that time Mm -hmm. where he's not working a midnight shift in a secure facility, or he's not being sent on six months of training while I'm at home with a newborn, then we spend that time together. We love kayaking. We love fitness, anything to do with the outdoors. My husband is an avid outdoorsman and is trying to convert me into one. Hmm. I'm, I'm betting you can tell by the pageant and the hair and the makeup. It's not going very well for him, but he's <laughs> trying. Um, but yeah, that's us. And that's our life. And we are, we're stumbling and bumbling through it with everybody else.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. So, so great. And so, Kerrigan tell us why don't you tell us about Miss Kerrigan and what she's up to and and give us a little introduction to that sweet lady.
1: She is, whew, she is a spitfire. That is the word that I used to describe her. She looks exactly like me. If you ran into her on the street and you've ever seen me you would immediately go that is Kerrigan Shadeg. She looks exactly like her mama. Love. She's getting ready to start the first grade next week which I can't believe. It's crazy. Um, and she is like the queen bee social butterfly. Everywhere we go, someone knows her. We literally went on a walk around a lake in our city that's on the other side of the city from where we live. We were on a walk, stopped at a playground and two people stopped by and were like, Kelligan. And Kelly and I couldn't, (laughs) we're like, who are you? One of them was um, a friend of hers from school. One of them was a woman who was a para in her classroom at summer school. And just like, okay. My kid just runs the entire capital city of the state of Kansas. It's yes. Everyone knows her. Yeah. Everyone loves her. We go to Target and she's like, who's that? Hello. She's waving like it's a parade from the, from, from the Target cart. So she is, she is an absolute ray of sunshine. She is a spitfire. She is a force to be reckoned with. And my, my favorite thing to tell people is that she will be a wonderful self-advocate someday as long as she survives to adulthood. Yes, <laughs>
0: so, yes. Oh, there are some days <laughs> believe me we've made it to 12 years old and I those same words have come out of my mouth um I like the parade from the target card I remember those days back when I could pick up Jack um oh lordy similar personalities and I always say you know that down syndrome stereotype of like really sweet and cute and and compliant I'm like Mm, there's another
1: down syndrome kerrigan missed kerrigan missed that mark tenfold she's she will be cute and sweet because she's conniving and she's trying to trick you into something (laughs) yeah yeah i get this like sideways
0: um hands on the hips Uh sideways look with a really cheesy smile that's like please
1: Oh. Yeah, my favorite is to ask for help with things. And then when you go to help her, she puts her hands on her hips and she goes, not like that. <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. Do it yourself. Oh my gosh. That's she hilarious. going on 16. It's, it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> Jax, you know how there's things that you can say in the disability community that you don't necessarily always want to say, you know, in a, in a yes. big open audience, and here we are in a big open audience, and I'm going to say it anyway. Um, but Jack's speech therapist, one of them has, has several siblings that have Down syndrome and other diagnoses, and um, you know, is this really like well known um advocate kind of on the national level, honestly, because we're in Cincinnati, so we get Cincinnati yeah. children, and um, she um says sometimes and you know you're the word normal just has a, a bad connotation and so there is no intent behind this but she oftentimes says you know there's a normal way of doing things and there's a jack way of doing things <laughs> oh yes yep <laughs> oh i love it they have similar souls that <laughs> is just plain wonderful so why don't you tell us your um your birth story, because similar to you, I had a diagnosis at birth and I, I know that your personal story has to drive your mission.
1: Yeah, it does. So we uh, gave birth in Maryland. We lived on the East Coast for seven years because of my husband's military service. And I gave birth at a Hopkins affiliated hospital. So um, really well-funded, very, uh, very well-respected in the community, should have had all the right connections and all the right things going for them um and this was in 2016 so modern times right it's not like we were it's not like we were giving birth in the 80s or anything this is very very recent
0: for the 50s yeah
1: yeah yeah and I don't remember this but When the pediatrician came in and initially the hospital's pediatrician came in to do APGAR scores and to look over everything, my mom remembers him asking the nurse if I had had an amnio done. And I gave birth uh, two days before I turned 24. So Kerrigan was born two days before my 24th birthday. And uh, we had done first trimester screening just because I wanted the extra ultrasound. It was included in our insurance. And I was like, yeah, sure, throw it in there no elevated concerns for anything. So my nurse was like, no, she's 23. Why would she have had an amnio done? Like there's no, no concerns for anything. And the doctor's like, okay. So we went back to the maternal recovery room. My mom went home, my best friend went home. It was just Kelly and Kerrigan and I. And the nurse came in and said, we'd really like to take her back and look over her again now that she's a few hours old. Uh, and first time mom, I said, great (laughs) sounds good I had no red flags for that whatsoever I thought that was normal I was like excellent I would love to eat my breakfast in peace this thing has not stopped crying since it came out of me I am great found go take her so they took her and she was gone for about an hour I think at the point that I started to get like the first inklings of that like mom instinct of like something is not sitting right with me (laughs) And I sent Kelly on a goose chase around this hospital to find our baby because we had no idea where she had taken her. We didn't know who had her. So he eventually tracked down a nurse at the nurse's station who figured out where Kerrigan was. And they said, oh, they're bringing her right back just now. Great. So what happened was the pediatrician her through the door in the little clear bassinets pushed it through the door and he had barely stepped into the room at the point that he locked eyes with me and said we have reason to believe that your child has down syndrome we took a blood sample and sent it off to kennedy krieger for testing and you should have results in 72 hours literally all in one breath like that and then immediately followed behind him comes a medical student no introduction no nothing um and i haven't slept in i don't probably two days i just shoved a whole human being out of my body. I've had like one waffle and I'm probably dying of starvation at this point. My husband is half asleep on the couch because he's exhausted. And he just barked all of that information out at us. And so we were sitting there and literally just like blinking at him. And he said, do you have any questions? <laughs> and I, I am a talker, as you can probably tell. It is very rare for me to be without words at all. And I had nothing. I was just, I felt like, I felt like somebody punched me in the chest and my husband said, well, I have several, <laughs> which is very out of character for him. Usually he is the much more like somber, very pensive, like thinker of us. And the doctor said, oh sure, what can I answer for you? And he said, well, why do you think she has Down syndrome? I was like, that was a good one. Nice one, babe. That was hey. right. to that, why? So we started listing off physical characteristics Um, all of which I happened to share with Kerrigan, which is really kind of funny. So he said, well, her nasal Ridge is really low. I said, well, mine was too, when I was a baby, if you look at pictures of me, like my nose looks just like hers. He said, okay, well, she has a sandal gap in her toes. I was like, oh, Hey, me too. Weird. (laughs) He said, well, her pinky fingers don't meet the second knuckle on her ring finger. And I was like, okay, now you're just listing stuff about me. And you're saying my kid has a disability because of it. So this is getting a little bit offensive. And he said, well, her eyes, he just kept going and going. And I was like, okay, I'm done. Thank you. We get it. We get that you think that she has Down syndrome because of these reasons. And he said, is there anything else? And we said, I guess not. So <laughs> right. we get these results. Like, what are we going to do? So he said, okay, uh, we're going to connect you with the hospital social worker so that you can make connections. And so your quality of life suffers as little as possible. And he pushed the bassinet up next to my bed and then they walked out of the room. And we weren't connected with the social worker. Nobody ever came and talked to us. So we left the hospital with a baby that maybe had Down syndrome and maybe didn't. We knew nothing about Down syndrome. We were given no information. Even though our Down syndrome organization had an established connection and relationship with that hospital, we were not given first call information. We were not given any information about them at all. I am really, really lucky that I have the background that I have and that I grew up with a sibling with a disability who happened to have a connection, she doesn't have Down syndrome, but had a connection to what is um, formerly the Down Syndrome Guild here in Kansas City, and I had been to events at their facility before, and I sent them a panicked email, and I just said, help, (laughs) I said, I don't know who to go to, or where to go to, I'm 1200 miles away from you, but I got nothing, (laughs) and they very graciously figured out who we needed to get in touch with, where our local orgs were. They connected me with first call people there. They sent me a gift basket, even though they were 1200 miles away, they took great care of me. Kansas Um, City is great.
0: I totally love those ladies. Yeah, they're
1: great. uh, We didn't get results in in 72 hours. It took three weeks because it turns out it takes an awfully long time to count on individual chromosomes of babies. Mm -hmm. And so we spent three weeks living in limbo and not knowing whether Carrie had Down syndrome or didn't and feeling like our quality of life was going to suffer because that's what we got told. We got told if she has Down syndrome, we're gonna mitigate it, but your quality of life is gonna suffer. And six years later, I am 100% confident that our quality of life isn't suffering because of Down syndrome. It certainly suffers sometimes because of other things going on in the world, uh, but Down syndrome is not one of them. Good. And that story, uh, it, that story and our diagnosis experience, weighed on me for a really long time and I knew I wasn't the only one I'd heard a lot of my friends tell me their um their prenatal or their postnatal diagnosis stories and some of them were good and supportive and some of them like mine were really harsh and very clinical and cold and I couldn't figure out we were talking earlier about feeling like the universe is pushing something in front of you and I felt like I was being pushed and I didn't know I didn't know what to do with it I didn't feel comfortable doing the legislative route. I am still learning. <laughs> I wanna go that route now, I'm I'm trying, but it's, it's a process and it's something that takes a lot of education and learning to do. Um, so I didn't feel comfortable doing that on top of all of the other things I was having to handle as a new mom and a disability mom. And I wanted to do something to make a difference. And so pageantry fell into my lap and medical advocacy seemed like a really good fit. It seemed like a way to tie together my story and the story of the people that I had kind of conglomerated with at the point that Kerrigan was born and a way that I could one by one start to make a big difference and a difference that I got to immediately see and feel the impact of. Because at the end of these medical advocacy trainings, these doctors tell me I can see how to apply this or I can see a scenario in which I didn't do this correctly and I know how to do it differently now. So it's a very, It's very rewarding because I get to see and hear and feel the impact and the change of what I'm doing immediately in that instant. I don't have to wait and wait and hope a bill passes. I get to hear out of the mouths of the doctors that I'm training. I see how this is impactful. I see what a difference this makes and I'm going to apply it moving forward.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> so then imagine how many parents and grandparents and everybody else because you know, it's not only the parent's diagnosis, but it's that email that you send to your support network or it's the way you the tell phone the grandparents. Call that you
1: make as soon as the doctor walks out of the room. It's all of those people that are on the journey with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is I mean, talk about making lemonade out of a really, (laughs) really lemony experience. I mean, you know, I was told our diagnosis very similar to you and my doctor and I had a very close relationship prior because my first delivery was bad. And so I was really straight shooting with him. Like, this is what I need out of you. Yeah. (laughs) and um, I had a hard time getting pregnant for, you know, a little bit, and then I had a complicated pregnancy with Jack, and so when he told me, I knew that he was telling me the way that he knew I needed to be told, which was, which was beautiful for me, but we got incredible support also thereafter, and I mean, my God, if you had gotten more support and a totally different tone with the diagnosis, imagine, like, you've done so much. Even with that really terrible start, imagine how those first few weeks with your sweet baby could have been. That's
1: literally exactly what I tell the doctors. I tell them like, parents need to know the clinical stuff. Some parents want to know it and some parents don't. But ultimately, at the end of the 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 day, we all know that we need it, right? If your child has any kind of disability, any kind of medical complication, that's stuff that you need to know, whether it's fun to know or not. But they need that support component too. Those things have to go hand in hand. Resources and compassion have to be together because that flashbulb moment, that moment of that diagnosis, defines what the next year of that family's life looks like, what the next 10 years looks like. Right. And I am yeah. really lucky, like I said, I, that I have the background that I have and that I was able to do the dirty work myself and scrounge up resources and make those connections for myself because. I'm obnoxious and I don't take it up for an answer. And so when I wasn't given the things I told I was going to get, I just found them myself. But there are families that don't have that, that don't have that background, that don't have the time or the energy to do those things for themselves. And so it's really, really critical that they're being given that information so that they can have that support because those first couple of weeks are a lot mentally, physically, emotionally. It's it's like you're living in a a time warp. And so having that support and not having to have done so much work just to find somebody that understands what you're going through that's not 1200 miles away is like removing that barrier is so huge. Right. So, and
0: I, I mean, I completely agree and I've done a little bit of health outreach work, um, you know, like at the local level, um, because now the Down syndrome association of greater Cincinnati has a hired person that does medical outreach. Um, we actually just recently people are job sharing it now. So we had somebody that just did health advocacy, then we kind of lumped it together. And now with this new staff hire, um, it's separate, but so I don't, in Cincinnati, there isn't a, a big need to do it, but I have done it on a smaller scale and I've done it with um, some of the staff people. Um, so I know the kinds of things that we say in Cincinnati, but you know, for, for my audience, what are the things that you're teaching doctors when you go out and you get these meetings?
1: Yeah. So I'm really lucky. And the ones that I do tend to be small groups. And so it's really personal. Um, I am not super formal when I do them. I'm a parent volunteer for uh, what used to be DSG, what used to be Down Syndrome Guild and is now Down Syndrome Innovations here in Kansas City. Um, And so I'm not a staff member, I do it on a volunteer basis. And so I'm myself, I go in just like I'm talking to you right now. And uh, my goal is to make it as as personal as possible because A, I want them to see that I'm thriving as a mom, that Kerrigan is thriving as a child with Down syndrome. I want them to feel comfortable and like I'm relatable because I want them to ask me questions and I want them to see what down syndrome really looks like in 2022. I don't want them to see some buttoned up boring version of it because that's not the reality of our life, right? Our life is crazy. Our life is insane. I show them pictures. I show them videos. When we were doing everything virtually, I would have Kerrigan sitting next to me, like eating crackers and trying to feed her cheese sticks to like keep her interested so that they can see like, this is my life. Like She's cool. Yep. (laughs) exactly. Yeah. She's cool. so, So I get to sit with them. I give them usually a brief review of just like what down syndrome is the three different variations of down syndrome, because in medical school, I don't think people realize people are like, don't they learn this in school? Well, yes, but I don't know if you realize that doctors learn about an insane amount of things. I don't, I literally don't understand how doctors go through. I don't get it. I, yeah. I have utmost respect for them and their intellect and the capacity of their brains, because I can barely remember to put shoes on in the morning. So prop to them. But I just give them that little like review just so they have it fresh. And then I talk about all the stuff I just said, what does Down syndrome look like in 2022? What are the medical advances that we're making right now that are really big and really important? What are areas where we can improve? I tell them our diagnosis story the same way that I just told it to you. I'm very frank about our experience. I talk about the fact that the way that the doctor presented it to us significantly impacted my mental health. I have PTSD because of it. I had a really hard time taking our kids to doctor's appointments for a very long time and still struggle with it because I walk into a doctor's office and immediately shut down. Um, Hmm. I share all of those things with them and I'm very frank about it. I'm very honest about it. Um, And then I tell them, stories of diagnoses that we've had that went really well because we've worked with some medical professionals who were incredible. And -hmm. the running joke in all of my presentations, I said it in my very first one and they really liked it. And so now I say it in every one. For Down Syndrome Awareness Month, we do, we used to do acts of kindness, so we would do 21 acts of kindness. And the very first year of Kerrigan's life, we did 21 acts of kindness. And one of them was bringing donuts to her doctor's office because her pediatrician was incredible. And I said, your goal leaving this room is to be the doctor that gets the donuts. Like, you want to <laughs> be the doctor, the families bring the donuts to. And so that's the running joke that I make at the end of every session. I was like, be the doctor that gets the donuts. When you walk out this door, that's my expectation for you. Yeah. Um, And then, like I said, I show them pictures. I show them videos. I tell them at the end that I, I'm not a rose colored glasses person. I'm really honest with everybody about our experience with Down syndrome, which I think some people get concerned about and they're like, oh, what if Kerrigan grows up and sees those things? And my answer would be that I tell her stuff to her face. I tell her all the time, like sometimes you having Down syndrome is hard. Okay. (laughs) Like Just in the same way that sometimes my son being a boy is hard. I've, I've all females in my family. So the boy thing is weird. I'm over it. Okay. But I tell them those things because I want them to feel comfortable asking me questions. I feel like people get so worked up and anxious about why I don't want to offend this person. Or I don't want them to think that I am asking a stupid question or that I'm asking something mean. I don't care. As long as you're asking with the intent to understand and to learn and to improve, ask me the stupid question. Ask me the rude question. I want to help you be better, I want to help you make sure that when you're giving these diagnoses to families moving forward, that they're getting an experience I didn't get, and I can only do that if you ask me the questions now, so that I can answer them, because I'm not worried about how you sound, or if it's not, if you're not using the correct terminology, or you're not being politically correct, I don't care, so I give them that opportunity at the end, too, and I've had some that, like, kind of shy away from it but for the most part I get really really good questions out of them that like dig deep and they want to know about those experiences on a really visceral level which has been really cool.
0: well and it's medical ethics I mean what you're teaching them is ethics you are not teaching them yeah sure you're reminding them about mosaicism and that kind of thing but what you're really doing is you're teaching them ethics you're teaching them how to relate and I think that
1: that it's a person sitting in front of them and it's a baby or a child that they're working with who has their whole life ahead of them. And that the way that they treat that child and that they treat that family is gonna impact how that family really views the like entirety of that child's life moving forward. Because if the first interaction you have with a medical practitioner or a healthcare professional is that healthcare professional telling you that your child's extra chromosome is gonna cause you strife in life, how are you going to feel walking into every single doctor's office with that baby moving forward? How are you ever going to trust that people really have your child's best interest at heart and their like best care at heart when you've basically been told your child is a leech on the system from day one? Yeah. So it's, it's getting that, look at your internal biases if you have them, figure out how to overcome those, figure out how to relate to people because- It's not just another checkbox that you have to fill off. It's 30 seconds to you, but that moment feels like a lifetime to the family that you're working with. So if you take 10 extra seconds to make that diagnosis compassionate and not just resourceful, or in the case of mine, like I didn't even get resources. I just got, here's your baby. She has Down syndrome, maybe, bye. Right. Giving them that extra couple of seconds of time so that they feel heard and understood is, it just makes a an unbelievable amount of difference.
0: Agree, and you know, I mean, so to then draw the parallel to advocacy at school, but not only advocacy at school, advocacy in every area of your life. I don't care if your dinner was burned, what you are trying to do is you are trying to convey your interest and you are human and we are all beautifully different and so what we are trying to do is we are trying to get to the heart and the souls of people and you can't make decisions and you can't make you can't take action unless in an effective way, unless, you know, the people and then in order to know the people you have to communicate. So, you know, what you're teaching the doctors to do is to humanize it. And so often in schools, that's what we have to do too. We have to get them to see that we are talking about a person, you know, with behavior. It's so, so common for them to be like, basically like he bad. Well, listen, I live with him. I completely agree. You're like, you get him for eight hours a day. Trust me when I tell you. Yeah, I agree. You know, I used to actually tease that he needed a taser, but then I saw like a 60 minutes or something. And there are still places that do like shock therapy. Oh. I think there's one in the country and I'm like, okay, I'm not teasing about a taser. You're like,
1: okay, we're removing that joke from
0: the repertoire. <laughs> <car." laughs> That's not funny. Not funny, but like, you know, I used to be like, you know, those things you give on your, you give your cat, like yep. just a little like zap you know, but that they actually do that to humans. And that is not funny. So, but like, what I have to say is yes, but that's not him. That is impulsivity or that, that is an attention function or that. And like, here's the clinical piece of it. Here's the, I'm going to geek out about behavior for you, but I'm always going to come back to Jack, the kid with the crooked smile with the sideways smile, the kid that, says, gotcha a hundred times a day. You know, I'm always going to come back and make them love him, make them see him because, you know, in addition to that, like with behavior and, and all the time, and then, you know, we humans have behavior too, as we're receiving these diagnoses, like for Jack with behavior, he doesn't want to behave that way. And I have PTSD too. I was in a gasoline explosion when I was a kid and, you know, PTSD usually leaves after three years and you and I are lucky. It just it just stayed.
1: Just Yay! Hang on in there, it's just.
0: <laughs> Yay! Chronic PTSD. I bet. Do you not? Well, yours is probably different. I don't like to play hide and go seek, because it's too scary.
1: Interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I was in an explosion. So when somebody opens that cabinet door, it's like, ah! and I but, don't
1: like, initial like shock moment.
0: Yeah, I don't like wow. to be scared. At all. Yeah. So you know, so like. But I take that PTSD with me to doctor's appointments and I take it with me to the bank and I take it with me every place. And and I, I have a friend that likes to scare people after they parallel park. You know, you're distracted and our little town has lots of- That's just cruel. It's mean, but she loves, you know, when people are like, oh my God, you scared me, like on Ellen. And I would like not go on Ellen if I was a celebrity because okay. I'd be like, I, it'll affect me for four days if you scare me like that you know, and we take all of our experiences with us. And so teaching doctors at diagnosis, I have the suitcase of all my experiences and you've got to be considering that. I mean, I think that's really, really, really good work and so important.
1: Thank you. I think so too. I love it. I get to, I'm a people person. So I get to hang out with people who have an unbelievable amount of intellect, which I always learn something coming out of these things too. I always pick up little pieces of information and like little medical knowledge that I'm like, I don't know where I'm gonna use that for, but I'm gonna stash it in a filing cabinet up here for something. And they get they get that experience of seeing like lived life experiences with Down syndrome. It's not something from a textbook. It's not something from a YouTube clip that they maybe got shown. It's not something from, you know, like a short clinical experience it's it's real it's my life for the last six years and for the rest of my life moving forward and and they get to experience that on a small scale so they're only with me for a couple of hours but hopefully those couple of hours are more impactful than whatever quick blip they got you know sitting in the classroom Hmm. and because they're getting it from somebody that is living it every day that is you know choosing to come and do this advocacy work on top of a full-time job and being a mom, like that to me, I think says how important it is to me, which hopefully to them conveys how important it should be to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree entirely. Oh my gosh, you are such a bright light in our community. Tell people where they can find you on social media so they can follow along.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, my uh, my Instagram handle is at strong over wrong, which is the name of my platform for pageantry. Um, it comes from a quote I heard one time that said that we need to focus on what's strong and not just on what's wrong. And so that's one of the things that I leave the doctors with at the end of our trainings is looking for what's strong and not just what's wrong when you're providing a diagnosis. And then on Facebook they can find me if they search Mrs. Kansas International 2022. Yay! Do you plan to continue to do pageants? Yeah, I actually just got off the phone with someone earlier today who was telling me about a new pageant, well, not new, an existing pageant system new to me that I haven't heard of or done before that they think would be a good fit. So I've still got some time left as Mrs. Kansas International. But when that time ends, um, I am far too competitive to quit at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I, I spent my whole life in middle school and high school doing theater and orchestra and all these like artsy things where I still got to be highly competitive and then I did nothing for all of college and for a couple of years living on the East Coast while I got married, started my family and then I did one pageant and now my bank account will never be the same again. So it's just, it is what it is, but I I love... I love the competitive element of it. I love the amazing people that I get to meet. I came out of Mrs. International Week last week with two new best friends. Um, I got to room with Mrs. Oklahoma and we spent the whole week hanging out with Mrs. Tennessee and we're all within like eight hour drives of each other, which has been a blessing. They're gonna come up here for our Down Syndrome walk this year. Like there, you get to meet so many women from so many places with this being an international pageant we had a mrs ukraine this year and spending time with her was it put so much in perspective like if you think you've had a bad year which i felt like i had had a bad year i spent five minutes with her and i was like i have had a great year this year has been top notch it is amazing um so just getting to interact with those women on a regular basis and having that kind of support network that spans the entire united states i know when i need help with like legislative advocacy as i expand into that my friend that lives in DC said, hit me up, I'll help you. That's what she does. So I have I have people all over the place that do all kinds of different things and have different advocacy avenues for different causes. So it's been really cool to, to be able to make those connections as an adult woman. Sometimes it's hard to make friends. You like, yeah. as a, especially as a disability mom, it, it can be hard to forge those connections with people. So getting to meet people who function on the same level as I do and who wear 97 different hats at once, <laughs> one of them being sparkly. Uh, been yeah, I was going to say, up. yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm not ready to give it up yet. So I'm going to keep going until I find, until I find whatever system uh, feels like the best fit. And hopefully I'll someday h- come home with a, a national title and I'll be able to take down syndrome to an even bigger level.
0: Oh, that is so exciting. I'm going to be back here cheering for you. I, I am so pleased to meet you and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.